Everybody and welcome to episode ten of the Resurrected A Winner Is You podcast. As ever, my name is David, and I'm sitting seventy nine miles across from Mr. Alex Aldridge. How are you doing today, Alex? Ahoy, hoy! You are drifting from me ever so slightly. I'm drifting. I, I'm I'm like a I'm like a tidal. I don't know what's the word. I'm just like the tide. I come and go as I please. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're 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 effectively out in this episode but not obviously just as a tide is out yeah i'm i'm more of a i don't know what you call it as a tide is i'm on the way out i might go further yeah so they're putting up like the warning signs aren't they due to the lifeguards are on the beach putting on the little flags david yeah david's going out yeah you've got to keep your eye out for riptides (laughs) and call for help if you start to drown well you used to be a lifeguard so that would also work i did i did in another life it feels like such a long time ago i was speaking to an old uh someone i used to work with when i was a lifeguard recently and we were talking about it and i haven't set foot near either of the swimming well any of the swimming pools i used to work at since the day i left which is a long time now ago now probably do you not my goodness did you did you swim at the time and do you now not swim anymore well i do swim from time to time but i just go to a swimming pool that isn't one I oh, used to okay. work at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also live. I've moved away from the area now, so I guess like it would be a proper effort to go back, <laughs> just to taste <laughs> that old chlorine again. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to hear something utterly pathetic and cowardly, I stopped going to my local swimming pool as much after a bunch of travellers set up camp behind it for a few weeks, and I got scared. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, what the the travellers used to be the worst thing about working in a swimming pool. None of, the, none of the life-saving, none of the cleaning, just the travellers. Because in my experience of them, I'm sure there are very nice travellers, but my experience of them was they would just come in, have no respect for anything, they'd be loud, you'd ask them not to do something, they'd do it anyway. Like, you know, like run, if, you're, if you're a lifeguard, 101, kids, do not run on the side of the pool. Just tell them to stop running, they'll just ignore you and keep running. And they'd just treat you like babysitters, so they'd drop their kids off and go away for the day. <laughs> And then always turn up. You'd be like, you're a student. You want to go home or you want to go to the pub. Yeah. You're finishing work at half 10. It's already quite late for all that. Most of your mates are already drunk. And you're like, right, I need to get away at half 10 so we can go straight to the pub. Oh, no, 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 no. Traveler's going to turn up after you've done your cleaning. They're going to traipse in with their muddy shoes, leave their hair, and then do their makeup on your nice clean work top and just leave it smashed everywhere. So you've got to go in and re-clean it at like 11 o'clock after Aww. they've deemed to leave. And it, oh, it's just no fun. It's no fun. I remember so, when I was at Blockbuster, there was, this was when I'd come back to England again. And I can't remember what had happened. There must have been something to do with, I think I must have been telling a story to somebody in that store about the one in Aberdeen where this clear, like blatant group of travellers came in and he had like a, a, a driver's license from Brighton, which was this registered address. 
And Did he have a Geordie accent or an Irish accent? Those I, are the two Irish accents accent. you hear. Yeah, and he rented shit loads of films. And my instant reaction was, you're never seeing, seeing these. And they brought, <laughs> but they brought them back. Okay, fair enough. So I was telling this story, and then a dude walked out of the door, and he was like, uh, just so you know, right, not all travellers are bad people. And I thought, well, there go my tyres before I go home. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm sure, as you say, there are some nice ones, but I'm a coward, Absolutely. so they just, I, I'm scared of them no matter how nice they are. There, there was, so one of the spots that used to, I don't know, set up camp, is that the right, mm-hmm. the right word? But it was in the, it I was in so. the car park of our swimming pool. Yeah, this and is, this year, is this like, exactly the same as what, as, yeah, yeah. My, my local, yeah. I could see them and when they, I was swimming, I could see them all out there, and I was really <laughs> getting scared. They do, well, I'm assuming they do it because obviously they live in caravans, so like it's, it's access to showers and things like that. Yeah, I, but, um, yeah I, I was surprised when you said that it was at yours, but that makes sense why it must be They had, they had like a, a traveller group fight, like it must have <laughs> been like a, a fight between two traveller groups one year, and they had to, the police had to come down because, well, there was blood everywhere because they just went at each other with baseball bats it was it was wild that year where was that at the pool yeah in car park it was like an an early morning traveler fight good god yeah see the only story i ever heard like that was that and this could be total bollocks because the guy who told me was an absolute bullshitter extraordinaire but he said his uncle work for nintendo yeah (laughs) (laughs) If you do this, if you dance on the bed in this particular manner, you'll see Lara Croft naked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she'll turn into a traveller. <laughs> yeah, if you say traveller three times in the mirror, the king of Lara the pikeys will come up behind you. Yeah, Lara you. Croft mansion turns into a caravan. <laughs> he told And you me. have to shut the butler in the caravan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he still freezes somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he told me that some travellers set up camp we really don't know what to call it but they were like outside this dude's house like one of his neighbors two doors down and one morning the guy came out to get his paper or his milk or whatever and they came up to him and said oi mate have you got the time and as he looked at his watch apparently they stabbed and killed him so and he told me that bear in mind he lived around the corner from me when i was probably about eight or nine and ever since then, I've been utterly terrified that they're going to—they're definitely going to stab me when I ask me what the time is. So I, so this, my question is around about going to be—I'm going to get to it eventually, but I'm going to take a walk to get there. I the podcast when, is about Portal Two, by the way, everyone. Carry on, just just hang in there. <laughs> yeah, hang on, we'll get there. <laughs> I, when I first got into podcasts and audiobooks and stuff like that, um, I used to really like the Carl Pilkington. Uh, Ricky Gervais podcast. Yeah, everyone did. Yeah, and he he told a story once. Well, you've probably heard it, where it was like one of it was like it was like one of his oh that's weird stories. Um, this guy that had he had like invested all his money in this thing, and he was like, right, if I hear the phone call, he had gone, he had had a lot of money trouble, and he had debt collectors coming, and he had, he like sort of chucked all he had on black, for example, and invested in this yeah. thing. He's right, like, right, and the guy was like, right, if you hear. I'll phone you at three. If you've not heard me from three, then the, the investment's gone down the toilet. So it got to three o'clock and it didn't come. So the guy, like totally despondent, walked upstairs in the building he was in and jumped off the building. And as he was falling past <laughs> his window, he heard his phone ringing. <laughs> right. Question being, 
Who told the story about the watch? Did the gypsy relay the watch story? <laughs> I've never Did the thought, watch I've never relay thought the story? About that. I've never Who's thought about passing that. on this information? Maybe he said it with his dying breath to his wife. I don't know. They asked me for the time. Yeah. He's lying in a pool of his own Tell blood. them it's got to ten. <laughs> 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 that's a really good point uh, yeah I'm sure almost certain it was bollocks just like it was bollocks <laughs> that along the big row of hedges near where I, I grew up down by the mound as we called it which was basically a big hill we used to play football up against but apparently a tramp lived in there and it got in to the a, mound like behind the mound like in a the hobbit. bushes oh, behind right, okay, the mound okay. and it, they, they like join on to the A1 and it was like, like dug a hole in the mound yeah <laughs> And he just pokes his little head out yeah. to deliver <laughs> the latest the porno trend. to all the all the teenagers. Because <laughs> the um, there is like tons of rubbish and shit in there. And one of the neighbours when we first moved in told me that the tramp lived in there and I never wanted to go down there anymore. So my dad walked into the bushes like and proved it to me. He walked all the way along. And I'm standing there shouting like, Dad, don't go in there! And he's like, look, there's no tramp in here. Look, see, there's nobody in here. So he had to, like, force me to go back and play football down the mound because there was definitely no tramp who was going to no kill me. No tramp in the mound. But this girl, one of the neighbour girls, definitely was like, there's a tramp who lives in there. Don't go out after dark. Oh, fucking, what a horrible thing to say. Clearly <laughs> she was mugging me off. Do? I don't know. Gonna, I have no idea. Gonna, it's just anyone gonna was going to kill in. me. Anyone yeah. and everyone is out to kill me, including all the listeners right now. If they ever met me in person, they'd instantly all staff me while asking me what the time was. <laughs> that's, your, that's your red flag. If anyone asks you what the time is, run. Yeah. yeah. But apparently not when I'm in New York and everyone asks me where I'm from. And then I'll immediately go, oh, immediately go, oh, I'm from England. Please. Please hustle the shit out of me and force me to buy your gangster rap CDs. Yes, I'm but, glad you got you got pushed into that too. <laughs> I threw them in the bin in Central Park in anger at myself. Just like, I fucking don't want this. I paid and I opened my wallet in front of the fucking guy, which yeah. had all my travel money yeah. in it. It's like, oh, please take $5. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to listen to it. Just here's $5 to go away. I can't, yeah, I did. I just threw mine in the bin as well. Yeah, stay away from the NBA store if you're a white Englishman because they will get we, you. I bet you we got done by the same folk outside the NBA store. We probably did. He said he was like the number one in the New York underground. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> that he had, is. He had a mate who came along halfway through from the other side. And then I thought, I'm definitely dead. They, did they sign your CD as well for you? Like there were some fuck no, did they? Big dogs. Oh, I got them signing my CD. <laughs> and they just stormed off to Central Park and pinned it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking America! I'm so scared here. I want to go back to England. <laughs> to sort of close the loop, though. Like, see, I went when I I did. I did that. I went and threw my gangster rap CD in the trash, <laughs> and then we got to Central Park and thought, right, we're going to have a nice time. Got was going to get my picture taken in Central Park on top of a mound. It was, a, it was like a <laughs> rock. I got to the talk. There was a tramp on it when I got oh, to right. the top of the hill. <laughs> uh, and I sake. instantly felt unsafe. Got my picture taken. Ran down the hill. <laughs> In when case anyone's it's... listening as well, David is like, uh, uh, not twice the size of me, but he's like an incredibly muscular man. So it, stories of him being as cowardly as me astound me because I, th- I feel like it's just me and my dad bod that, that do this. I don't even have kids. 
but no, we're all just scared. We're all, all just scared of America. Nerds, really. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what a talking podcast though, all, intro. Uh, but, but of attempted death, attempted murderings, there are many. It, well, at least three, I think, in the game we're about to discuss. Oh, at least. I mean, which it, is Portal Two. That's not counting all the robots that die. Was this the last good game Valve did, or was Left 4 Dead after Portal 2? Ooh, Left 4 Dead 2 might be. Um, do you, I mean, maybe you don't count Half-Life Alex, but I think some people do. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Left 4 Dead 2. 2009, Portal 2, 2000, oh, 2011. So, yeah, it is. Potentially the last good game we'll ever see from Valve. If, unless you count that back for blood, if that is, has any involvement with them whatsoever. No, that's, that's Turtle Rock. Who did? Who have? Who? Who actually? I think there's something to do with Left 4 Dead, but it's not Valve okay. anymore. And they, well, if we're talking about games, they, Valve have since released Portal 2 Bridge Constructor. <laughs> and, oh yeah, what is or that? Or just Portal Bridge Constructor? It's just it's just a bridge constructor game with portals in it. Oh. And then there was that card game they released to try and rival um, Oh yeah, that Activision one that they've already discontinued. The, uh, what, you mean to rival Hearthstone? 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 That's the one, yeah. Hearthstone, I would call it. Yeah. Um, it's the one that they always talked about on Giant Bomb, isn't it? That Ben was always yeah. playing it. Oh, yeah. fuck. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. I didn't know they got rid of it, though. Well, it's it still there and you can bad? still download it, but they're not supporting it anymore and they're not bringing out new packs. They said they were reworking it. Because I.e. like their their manipulative sales model didn't work apparently, <laughs> um. So they're redoing it, but I I don't know if I've I've got a funny feeling they decided to just even stop redoing it. Uh, this is that's actually a really worthwhile point to bring up at this stage before we go through the entire game and then shit on Valve at the end. But they really did just sort of stop doing anything. After, yeah. So after there this. was a couple. It was around the early days of Giant Bomb. I remember them being like there was a guy that used to always come on the he used to always come on the show like if they were needing an extra body or something. A bit like Will Smith does these days or used to do. <laughs> Which I still um, cannot hear them say without expecting Will Smith to be not on. Not that there. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um and he joined Valve and he basically just disappeared and we never saw him again because he, he then, because of his contract, wasn't allowed to do media. But they described like his, his day-to-day life and he basically, like, his desk literally had wheels on it and you'd basically go into work one day and you'd just wheel it over to someone's desk and start working on something. And then if you think someone's working, you'll you'll go with it and then you'll present a pitch. And if it doesn't work, you can walk off to someone else's desk the next day and start working on an idea with them. Right. But obviously that, I mean, a combination of that and the fact that Steam is so massive, they don't really need to make games anymore. No. Um, it doesn't work, obviously. Whatever they're doing, if do they, do, do they care? The, the classic the classic version of a soccer player that, that makes it big, gets a big wage, and then loses the appetite to keep going, right? Yeah, it would appear so. Yeah. Just, yeah, he's got, he's got, they've gone off to China, the Chinese League, or the... MLS. Yeah, Gabe Newell's happy just collecting knives or whatever it is he does now. <laughs> is that what he does? Yeah, he's got a massive knife collection. He's really into knives. Oh, I remember I went on holiday once and the, we went with this other family. And you like, saw Gabe Newell? Yeah, <laughs> buying knives. <laughs> um, yeah, and the guy that I... The, the dude from that family, um, he was like 
it was like a bit of a wrong one back when we were young. And I remember like he used to like set fires to stuff. I remember he once got arrested because he punched a glass window of a restaurant in town when he was annoyed. Um, like I was scared of him as well, um, even though he was you my know, friend. He, he never asked you for the time, did he? No, no. <laughs> no, I made sure he could tell time before I went anywhere near him. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and he, he bought a knife when we were on holiday and we must have been separated from our parents because I bought one as well and my mum and dad were absolutely devastated that I'd gone into that knife life. But no. You haven't started the knife life, have <laughs> you? son's part of that knife life now. <laughs> I know, he's such a bad influence on you, Alex. I don't want you buying <laughs> knives. <laughs> and then they confiscated it. So I never... What kind of knife was it? It was like, I don't know, but it was badass. Oh, was it? It wasn't like a little pen knife or anything. No, it was like a fucking... Illegal carry in the UK. Yeah, no, it was like a full-on shanking knife with like like a fucking camo handle on it. (laughs) Did I ever tell you about the knife I bought? I don't believe you did. I just don't understand why I wanted a knife. Like, there's no part of me that can understand what I would have wanted a knife for. Stabbing people? Defending yourselves from time... People that need the yeah. know the time. This this dude I was in a band with used to carry scissors in his pocket for protection. <laughs> he was part of the scissors life, which is like a gateway drug to the knife life. Yeah, that is a gateway <laughs> drug. My right, God, what's this? You got... I really hope it was those plastic scissors you get when you're in primary school. You know, those ones that can't cut anything. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all about the the threat of violence. Like it's about the implication, not about the actual. You not got a pair of them, have you? I'm sure I have told you this story, but. I've got a visual aid, so feel free to... I'll try and be as descriptive as possible, but feel free to cut this if you feel it doesn't work. So about a year ago, I got... Talking about the knife life, I got into the the camping life. Oh, yeah. And I I went camping a few times, because I live in Scotland. They're, like, very, very close to a lot of hills and not a lot around me, so it's quite fun to just wander off and stay in the countryside for a night. Yeah. And... I was like, right, well, I need a knife because I need to be able to cut my sausages in the morning and if I ever get stuck in a tree and able to cut my way down or something, I don't know. So I was like searching for different knives and I was like, right, (laughs) this is the knife I need. So I was like, it's got a spider on it and I was like, oh, it's reasonably (laughs) cheap. It's made of good quality metal. It looks like it's sharp. It's got got some good reviews. So I bought it. It's got a spider on it. Yeah. It's it, it it folds in and out. And <laughs> you looked at reviews was, as well. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is the best so story I bought ever. it. It arrived the next day. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> it's about It's an a fucking Christmas long... cracker knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember like my my package arrived. I was like, oh, this must be my knife. And I, I was like, touch it. I was like, this is there's something not right. I opened it. <laughs> And it was the smallest knife <laughs> you have ever seen. Can you see the spider on it? No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Who the fuck so gave that incredible... good review? That's totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this incredibly sharp <gasps> letter opener. I don't know. Oh, I hope you had cocktail sausages because I ain't cutting a real one. Fucking no. hell. <laughs> <laughs> fucking crying at that oh god I'm gonna put take a picture of that and I'll put it on the pe- website post because that's yeah, fucking yeah we can tweet it as well <laughs> <laughs> oh god 
It has never been on a on a an expedition with me, unfortunately. <laughs> it's never graced a sausage's skin in its life. Never. Oh fucking! That was so funny. My <laughs> <laughs> glasses are steamed up and full of the tears. Fucking hell! <laughs> oh god! Ten years of portal too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, I was going to say, we need to do a hard shift into Portal 2 quick. Oh, We've been going 20 minutes. Well, this is the last time I'm having rum when I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. What a great story. We've had everything. What a whirlwind. Gangster rap in New York. Travellers yeah. at swimming pools. Small knives. <laughs> Small knives. <laughs> oh, my God. So, did you enjoy Portal 2? Because I did Portal a lot. Portal 2 is good. Um, so I'm just going to... I don't... I was going to say I don't mean this as a criticism. I absolutely mean this as a criticism. Yeah, yeah. But I don't mean this as, Yeah, I don't mean this as a, a sort of... It's not a deal-breaking criticism in that it's still a superb game, but it is creaking and showing its age, I think. 30 frames per second is completely unacceptable to me now. Yeah. In any, I just well, hate it. It gives me a headache. It's horrible. It, yeah, maybe that's what it is because it felt sort of slow and plodding in a way that modern just, games don't. It, yeah, I, I should. I'm, I'm sure my eyes can't actually discern this, but it just looked like it was like lagging. It looked laggy and mm-hmm. ja- and like jagged. It was really the weird. Jumps felt weirdly off. Yeah, it's it's. Like, but it was one of my criticisms of like basically every Valve game is is the movement in the you just sort of slide around. Like, yeah. I know it's probably makes for a nice, smooth experience, but I don't feel like I'm a character in a world walking around. I'm a, I'm a camera skidding around. Like, Left 4 Dead was the same. You don't feel like you're yeah, walking. Oh, let, let, nothing in Left 4 Dead feels tangible whatsoever, as we've discussed no. before. Um, and that was quite... I think we said this before, didn't we? It's It's slow. It's really slow. She slow runs and plodding slow. in a way that I don't remember it being slow no, and plodding. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why it brings me back to the age. It's just starting to show itself. Yeah, like I said, the the only thing I can think about as being a reason for that is has to be this the, the element of needing precision. Mm-hmm. You have to be precise and direct. You know, yeah. definite with your movement because it's such a. It can get quite complex. Um. Because I guess if you went twice the speed, you'd uh, maybe it would just completely throw your rhythm off, and you'd you know it would rush your brain in a way that didn't need to be done. So you you, you end up actually rushing to play the puzzles and figure it out because your character is moving faster. Maybe it's like a subconscious yeah, slow be... down the character to slow down your your brain. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. But yeah, but it was it, really it, it jarring. Did. We've played a lot of Apex Legends, as we always say. And the contrast well, between com- the two is like night and day. Yeah, yeah, and like we're also coming off the back of a Doom podcast. <laughs> Good point. Which, Speaking of floating which, around, yeah, which is, which is, well, it's fast. Yeah, <laughs> which is like complete night and day from what what this is. Even but Doom still sixty four is game. fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's still a quality game. Yes. Did you? So I I, I think we, and I hope I'm not derailing your your plan for this but like i remember like so when we we spoke about this briefly we i was saying that there is it's much easier than i remember it being it after i said that it did uptick in difficulty a little bit when you sort of leave the testing labs and move like yeah. sort of off-piste 
underground almost into what used to be the entrance to the facility. Yeah. Things things did tick up a wee bit, but also, I don't know, at the end of the day, it may be about 10 years ago, but we're still replaying a puzzle game we've already played, so maybe, maybe I need to cut it a break for that. I definitely felt as well that after the... Uh the old aperture science bit when you go back to Wheatley obviously his first one is shit and I've written this later on actually that I wasn't I couldn't tell if when Wheatley when you return to Wheatley whether his were just easy because Wheatley's supposed to be stupid and bad at making puzzles or what it just felt like the the end of the game was a breeze well that was it wasn't after it? the middle was really tough and and quite a, a noodle scratcher so to speak there, there was yeah it, that's exactly right it goes like to me it went really easy noodle scratching and then really easy again because yeah. but then there's no excuse for him to do that because he tries to make his own puzzles and they're extremely easy and then glados that's the potato. Right also says oh no he's using my puzzles now yeah that's which right. is their narrative out to actually have difficult puzzles but they, they never really became difficult again i didn't think no no there were there were some in the middle where i just it took me a very long time to get a few of them which i think i've probably touched on somewhere in my notes but yeah once yeah, Wheatley's um, back in charge i'll I really, try not to yeah i'll I try not to go into, too much. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah I'll, i guess i'll stop there because i guess we'll come to it yeah um but the last thing i'll say is 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 again because we'll come to it is that i think when when you do sort of leave the test chambers and move off um they do a good job of making you feel like you're behind the scenes because a lot of the solutions to the puzzle when you're away from the test chambers are very much sort of just try and like eke your way onto a, onto a pipe so you can like like traverse across it and you you yeah. do feel like you're you're somewhere you're not meant to be which i think is is incredible game design in that moment yeah until they until you then somehow get to another lift which is placed yeah. at the end of your off the track off the beaten path track. yeah i always found that a bit jarring mm-hmm. um but yeah i do, do i do really like those bits and they the developer commentary does say that they made like a really concerted effort to show players the inner workings behind the scenes of aperture labs and stuff yeah um, and that, i think they, they also tried to make loads of it look like really frivolous frivolous is a good word yeah that'll work so that they were basically like wasting money so like there's a bit where you get taken to a next chamber or whatever or the next part of some chambers by like a gravity lift that really didn't need to be there you could just have a normal platform or a lift but you've got like those sure. weird blue things and they they were saying in the commentaries on the on the game that you know oh, that's interesting to, in there to make it look as if aperture just like just spaffs money away yeah needless shit yeah that makes sense i guess when you link that up with what the guy is saying <laughs> oh, later so on in the good. game he's the best part of the game i think yeah i think so what did you think of i i is it the time well tell me if you want to come back to it later then um what did you think of steve merchant talking about ricky gervais podcasts yeah so what do you think of him i've actually written that's one of the first things i actually wrote so um and I added some later, so I'll skip over these when we get to it later on. But um, I feel like he can make even average dialogue funnier because he's from Bristol, for a start. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and he knows it. Um, but I'd also be really interested, and I didn't look this up. I meant to, but I forgot, that whether he actually was ad-libbing any of it because he he gets that style. He's just got that style so down 
mm-hmm. that you can tell he wrote a lot of The Office and Ricky Gervais basically was doing an impression of him almost in a lot of what his David Brent yeah. character was. Um, and I wonder really how much of that actually landed with American audiences because I feel like that kind of weird, bumbling, like idiosyncratic way of talking is much more ingrained in our comedy zeitgeist than it would be in the States. It's a lot, it's not dry, but it's just kind of like irreverent is the best way I would describe it. So he'll always just kind of like go off on tangents and start riffing and just talking absolute nonsense, which I found quite funny, or at least, you know, I'd give it a smirk or a chuckle. But I don't know, I wonder if that, if that really landed in, in markets outside of the UK who are yeah, all be interesting. aware of Stephen Merchant. What, what did you think? to him yeah no i agree with that i i thought i don't know i was kind of middling in that like i didn't i remember being a lot more into the comedy and like steve merchant's performance 10 years ago than i was than i was this time round. um I, I on occasion i would say i was very aware that i was just triggering like dialogue scenes i.e like walking across something that would make them i.e. like cause him to speak but the actual performance itself was excellent and yeah now now that you say that um i do feel like there was a time maybe it must be around about that time now where there was a big influx of of american interest in british comedy yeah so perhaps that's the crossover um and yeah i think i think you're probably right in terms of uh, i wonder if there's a fascination for sort of the a britishness that he's able to bring to it yeah it would would resonate with that america like that american audience at that it's very like basil faulty isn't it yeah and and i've said that as well like i didn't want to sound elitist or anything at that point like, oh good americans don't get this but you know having having implied that it's not a familiar style of humor for that have i've already also said that cave johnson is is my favorite part of the game because i think his his humor is I think I think specifically with like when you start this game off and you've got like the voiceover guy, I don't know who that's supposed to be, like just the the, the facility voice man and GLaDOS. Sometimes I felt like that humor's just a little bit like too clever for its own good. When everything is like, here's a big corporation that says irresponsible things that are really unprofessional. After a while, it just it does get a bit exhausting because it's this, just all the same kind of gags all over and over again. Like yeah, yeah. Corporate things giving official announcements that are actually jokes. After a while, mm. got a little bit tiring. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. But uh, largely, I liked it and I enjoyed it. And it's one of these things I think like comedy is is tough to do in a video game, it's really, purely tough. because like I, I I'm sure we've spoken about this at some point before, but but surely like but like like with tv and film you can you have complete authority over what the audience sees and when they see it and timing and who the audience is yeah yeah um whereas with games you don't i mean like and you have to be i guess you have to be cognizant as a designer that there's going to be players that are just trying to smash through a game as quickly as possible they're not trying to experience anything they're just trying to get to the end as fast as possible and you guess you got to construct your game with that in mind. Um, I think I think for the most part, what they're going for lands. Um, yeah, I'm just going to quickly interject because there is a point in the commentary 
it's the bit where there's a bit where you start breaking out with Wheatley and they actually did have a bit where he talks to you for, apparently for like it's the bit where he does an accent to try and get GLaDOS to not recognise that it's him and she can hear him and she's like I can hear you apparently they had that where he would like talk for like five minutes and they actually said in the commentary that they found that really tough because all the players knew they could just escape so they would just make a beeline and just get out of there and stop listening to it so that's exactly what you've just said actually mm-hmm. did happen in their playtesting where they found it really tough to deliver the lines that they wanted with and have people actually listen to them because they just want to play the game yeah 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 like to and I- there's there's bits and there's there's points where you, you see Wheatley like popping out of the the sort of sides of the test chambers. Yeah. When he's trying to like sneakily speak to you, I I did enjoy stuff like that in the little yeah. bits and pieces and and when you when you're trying to escape Glados and then laterally trying to escape Wheatley, um, when they're both trying to catch you, that's fun and you do feel like you're sort of escaping from an area that you're not you've like sort of exited the the pen so to speak. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a hundred percent effective. Um, but also I didn't hate it. I think is is the way I would sort of come down on it now. Um, I certainly don't like it as much as I did at the time, but that's perhaps just because the game's old now, I guess. Yeah. Um. It it, it still made me chuckle a, a fair few times, which most comedy games won't. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. The one thing I could never say about it is that it feels like it that it's obnoxious or no, an- annoying. No, it's not. just, yeah. um, yeah, like I say, sometimes it can just be a little bit too repetitive in its style. It's a lot of sort of sarcasm and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, yeah, especially when you're trying to think, <laughs> you're trying to work something out. It can just be a bit grating. <laughs> right, shall we dive in? Yeah, let's go, mate. Okay, so. We will now begin our run through of the game. I'm not going to I'm not really going to talk too much about the puzzles because I mean how the hell would that work on a podcast and I can barely remember. I looked at some of my yeah. notes when I described puzzles and I can't even remember what they look like. So <laughs> you finished it before I did so there'd be no chance of that happening. So we start off uh it we're in a, a hotel room I guess in inverted commas and then you do things like looking up and down for your gymnastics and appreciating the art on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wheatley the robot, as we've discussed, uh, he's one of the old personality spheres from Portal One. He arrives, um, and the devs. Uh, I'm gonna. Inter- so he's, he's not in Portal One, right? Do you no, have no, a memory of what the personality spheres are? Because I've totally forgotten. Them. I don't remember them either. I th- no. Oh, no, wait. Are they the things at the end that you drop into the incinerator, part of Glados? Is, is that oh no! Are? Really? Maybe. Yeah, I didn't remember that when they said that on the commentary. I remember them saying personality spheres and thinking, I don't remember those at all. No. Um, Apparently, he was originally envisioned as six different spheres, um, but they decided that it would be better to just go with one character that you get to know more and more as the game goes on rather than having to deal with six different ones. And apparently, some of those designs and the voices are the ones that you get at the end when you do the corrupted cause in the final boss fight. Right, okay. Those weird jibber jabber bits. Some of them so, are apparently the. the so, do they say be. that? So, like, what the original story would that have been? You have to put all six, all six spheres get into Glados and remove her, or does yeah, one sort question. of take over, and then you have to use the other ones to try and like sort it out? Yeah, yeah. I think it would be something like that. They would sort of collaborate together to help you escape. But whether they all have to go in Glados, I'm not sure. I, I mean, you put what three, three on her at the end. Yeah. Corruptor, so mm-hmm. it's a good point. Um, 
yeah, and then you do another silly stuff like he tells you to press A to say Apple and you jump instead. And that's, uh, it was a nice remember, it was a nice memory of that joke. But it, like, as you said earlier, it doesn't really, it doesn't land the way that it did. Um, apparently there was also an alternative opening where Aperture had hooked up all of the people who've been in cryostasis to this incredibly boring hotel room simulator. But they felt that that would be too difficult to explain in a short period of time. So they change it to this container that then Wheatley drags mm. you out in. And then that's apparently how they were able to, they wanted to show the scale of the facility by having all the walls and the ceiling kind of break away. And you can see this massive thing that you're being dragged I mean, that's around. That's certainly in. effective, right? Oh, yeah. The scale of it is constantly being brought back yeah. into the fore. Um, so, yeah, he picks, up, he picks up the room that we're in. Um, and then smashes us through the wall. He says he's using a manual override. Uh, we drop through a glass ceiling. We end up in the Aperture Science Enrichment Center. Um, so after some, we do some, there's some rudimentary like uh, block, putting blocks on switches, like really mm. basic puzzles. And then you fall through the floor into a, like a sewer-like area to find the portal gun. Um, and we, this is where we, Wheatley thinks we've survived. He assumes we've survived and says he'll come back and bury us in an hour if we haven't. Um, and the f- I didn't realize this actually at all, but the first segment of the game is actually the ruins of the test chambers from Portal One. Um, and the devs have said they did that because they wanted to give players sort of nostalgia for the first game, but also show them both how the world of Aperture has changed in the Portal universe and how better their graphics engine was. But I really didn't notice yeah. that they were actually the retreads of the Portal One. I recognized the first chamber. Yeah. Um, from portal one but i I never i just assumed that like all the chambers were like that so i didn't realize that necessarily i was in the one that i started in i was just in a portal start test chamber where you always seem to start i'm not sure if they were yeah if they're in the exact you know order as they were but you know now they've just got all the foliage all over it and there's all broken bits of the walls and Mm -hmm, stuff sure that totally went over my head um the the intro is as i said it's pretty straightforward it's not very taxing it tries to focus more on the humor and the sort of enrichment center announcements and that smooth jazz bit which was apparently one of the first jokes that they wrote because they felt like smooth jazz is funny to every everyone apparently when they tested it playing the smooth jazz music landed with every different demographic they could test it oh really okay um um one of my favorite lines in the early bit is where uh Wheatley says something about people with brain damage are the real heroes. Breathe. Which felt very Gervais. Um Yeah. Yeah, uh, now now you're mentioning it, it does make me realise how much of Steve Merchant is in the early early Gervais stuff at least. Yeah. Do they still work together? Do you know? Uh, I don't know scenes? if he's got anything to do with that afterlife. I'm not entirely sure. But you can just see his character from extras all over this. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I'm a massive fan of that show, so it's uh, obviously nothing nothing to that level of humour here, but it's it's mm-hmm. definitely kind of reverent to it. Um, so at this point, Wheatley, uh, he, he wants to disengage himself from this management rail that he's stuck on. So he asked you to catch him, which obviously we failed to do. I think you fail anyway. I, I couldn't catch him. He's yeah, just... they make it so you can't. Yeah, okay. Um. So uh, then he makes him. He makes us turn our back to him, and he opens this secret panel, um, which I don't think actually involves anything difficult. You think he just bangs, smashes it open, or something? Yeah, I think he's just an idiot. Yeah, 
he uh, he mentions that we're going to have to escape through her chamber and that she's probably going to kill us. But when we get to it, you can see that GLaDOS is still wrecked from Portal 1. And then Wheatley starts telling us the story of how this human took her down, escaped. And then there was a long period of time where nothing happened. And now we're escaping. Um, and then in an attempt to find an escape pod, he inadvertently takes us back into GLaDOS's chamber and powers her up again. Um, I think I chuckled when she did a little sly dig of calling us a monster. Like, you monster. Yeah. Um, she then leads us through the incinerator room and then shows us the dual portal gun and says she's willing to forgive us despite her memory system replaying us, killing her for effectively eternity after she, after we killed her. Um, and we can go back to testing like old times for the rest of our lives. And that is the end of, of the first chapter, which reading from that is, is it crams quite a lot in. It's got a lot to yeah. give. So a lot, it, it, it sort of catches the player up, but also sets you up for more... Yeah, it does a it does a good job of sort of covering old ground, relaying old ground for people that maybe haven't played the first one, but also enough not in I don't know. It does it does it in a good way, I guess. Like as someone that had played Portal One, I didn't feel like I was being told the same thing again, but also it did enough to I guess from a looking from a distance remind or inform new players that what they were into and what had happened previously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, bringing Glados back so early was. I obviously must have remembered that they do it, but you're only really doing the original the sort of enrichment voice guy uh, for a, for not a very long time, and you meet Wheatley, and then very very soon after that, she's can right you, back in it. Can you remind me what actually brings Glados back? Because I perhaps missed it. She just sort of seemed to just come back to life. When he, he yeah, Wheatley. Um, it's when he tries to get us in this escape pod. And then either a button is pressed or he attaches himself to something that then powers her up without realizing. Right, okay. Maybe it's not actually an escape pod. It like brings him right up to this. You go like up in this sort of lift and then she, you just sort of appear right in front of her and then she wakes up. But uh, I didn't write, <laughs> didn't write down how, so I don't know. Yeah, it just it went over my head to a certain extent. I just saw her sort of head like putting itself back together again. Yeah. Which was entirely expected, but also at the time I wasn't quite clear why that was happening. Yeah, I think I didn't write this down, but in the developer commentary, they say something about that when she's bringing herself back together that I think they had to hand do some of that. Oh, really? Because they had to do it, they had to rush it out for E3 because that was part of the trailer for E3 was GLaDOS coming back to oh, life. Oh, right, okay. Um, so it was sort of like a, a mishmash of loads of different animation techniques, but part yeah. of it was like hand animated or something. Okay. Not sure how yeah, that works with computers, but yeah. um Yeah, so then we are on to chapter two. Um and we start off with these redirection cubes where you can change the path of a laser. Um which I'm almost certain was a new thing for Portal Two over Portal. I, I really looking I should have played Portal One because it's obviously not that long, but I feel like there's only really one or two mechanics in Portal 1 versus how many there are in this. Yeah, Portal... That was the thing that that struck me when I went back to Portal 2 and that it became very apparent to me that the effort and sort of lengths they had gone to to try and flesh this out into a real, like, fully-fledged game. Yeah. Portal 1 just felt like a tech demo or felt like a really short, sharp, in-out experience, whereas Portal 2... Like... If you were just making Portal 1 again, you could have finished it 
before you left the test chambers again that could have been you could have wrapped it up and gone home at that point but yeah. they, they really elongated the experience um to pull it out and try and flesh it out into a game because even even still it's quite short but also like they do about as much as you can expect from this type of game don't they i think yeah and they have to what they wind the the portal making and the puzzle element into it in so many clever ways that never take you out of the story as well so yeah. it's the, the way they've managed to to weave that narrative and a, basically a puzzle game that's supposed to have peril in it together is is really like cleverly done because puzzling is is not something you want to be doing in a rushed state ever no so yeah the, the fact that they managed to to give tension to some of it but there wasn't really is is pretty clever um glados says that she's had some she did a test on us and the test results are that we're a horrible person even though she wasn't testing for that, which I found quite funny. Um, she also says that results mean science has validated our mother's decision to abandon us on a doorstep, which was fucking brutal. Yeah, she went really deep. I remember, I remember, remember the joke she does. She's like, "Oh, we're gonna basically inferring that you're she's gonna make you meet up with your parents." Yeah, and she's like. Nah, they don't like you. <laughs> you, you. You ring them on they're the phone dead. and they're like, the parents you have tried to call do not love you. <laughs> um, they said actually in the developer commentary that, that she was actually worse before. So she was oh really goodness. like cutting and aggressive towards the player, but apparently playtesting, and that's going to be a, a recurring theme. They playtested everything and they had, all the things came back the way they didn't expect. So apparently players said it was like really grueling to be just constantly like harangued by her right at the beginning of the game. So they sort of dialed oh, really? it back to give you more of a slow build of her passive aggression. She must have been like a total dick to you before that. I mean, she, you did kill her, I guess. So deserve, maybe. Uh, she deserved to be killed, I think, probably. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I also quite like how the um, the chambers like keep getting rebuilt as you're as you're entering them a lot towards the beginning. It's supposed to apparently supposed to signify like Glados is still waking up and regaining control of the facility yeah i thought they did a good job of that yeah and then obviously when like wheatley's fallen apart or the the sort of center's fallen apart towards the end of the game it does the inverse of that it does yeah i didn't you literally see him smashing rooms together to try and (laughs) yeah and then there's bits of the bits of the test chambers that aren't fully formed there's like bits of the walls missing and things like that yeah they do a good job there that's 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 a good point i mean yeah when you think that it's just really there's a bit in the middle that's kind of out there, but then either side of it, it's basically just like white test chambers mm-hmm. with the same familiar stuff of blo- blocks and lasers and whatever. But to yeah, get absolutely. to get so much personality out of that and and make a whole story out of it was is, is decent. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so we start to get lasers involved, um, uh, and there's some stuff to do with like. You have, you know, you have to use these lasers with their like receptors at the other end to to move platforms, or then mm-hmm. make the use the portals to kind of redirect the lasers or disengage them to make platforms stop. Uh, we also get the aerial faith plates involved in the in Chamber Five, um, where you're just kind of bouncing around catching stuff. Oh yes, and you have to sort of. Eventually, there's one where you kind of you almost follow like a a pathway of these bounce plates and you're bouncing off walls to get all the way through this little that, oh yeah that's right um i think my one of my favorite lines from glados in the early game is where she talks about how people with guilty consciences are easily startled by loud noises 
and then blast a train horn like right at the end of that sentence. Um, and then she gives us like a, a, she tells us the explanation of how to do one of the chambers and does it really fast and just tells you to remember it in slow motion, which again is, I found funny, but it, it's all part of that. Like the humor is really clever. And yeah. after a while, it just gets a little bit too clever for its own good. Yeah. Um, that's the end of chapter two, basically. Um, let's see what I've got for chapter three here. Oh, there's a bit in the first beginning, at the beginning of chapter three, you've got this aerial faith plate, which is ties back to what you said earlier, where you, you kind of bounce on it. And as you go up, you can kind of briefly see and hear Wheatley trying to tell you what he's been up to and where he is. That's right. And yeah. what he's trying to do. And then you go back down and he's gone again. Um, I, I really do like the the motion puzzles or the momentum puzzles in these games. I think they're probably my favorite ones where you've got like a faith plate and then you like fire yourself across like large gaps and things like that. Yeah. So you've got to like fire a a portal, Mm -hmm. like on a kind of angled bit of wall and then and shoot one into the ground as you land and it'll chuck you across a room. I like the ones that are similar to that later on in the game where you've got to sort of drop yourself into a portal and then you're sort of dropping up and down yeah between portals and you've got to like figure out and then come out a portal orientate yourself and shoot so that when you fall back down again you're fired across the room in the, in the correct way i enjoyed those a lot yeah one of those stumped me for absolutely ages and i'll i'll, I'll explain why when we get to it but uh, that is a, yeah that's a really cool one because that one is probably the the bit where it sort of has the most pressure time wise you actually mm-hmm. like i remember I tried to get my dad to play the original game and he was mostly okay with it because it's quite slow paced. But when it came to stuff like that, where you've got to be kind of almost twitch reaction to find the wall quickly and shoot, that he really struggled with it. Um, We get, uh, for Chamber 11 is where you get these light bridges where you can manipulate where the bridge goes by firing again, obviously a portal on one end and then the the next portal will then create almost a second bridge um so you could do it you know it does things where you're catching dropping cubes that are coming out of pipes or you're using it to block you as you go flying through the air you create a bridge that you're going to bang into so you drop down on a platform it was around about this as well this point where there's a bit where there's a glass wall and you kind of have to go all the way around the glass wall because the gun won't fire through it and then i remember thinking at that time when i got to the cube that was on the other side of this wall i thought to myself oh, i'm gonna have to go all the way back round again and i suddenly had remembered that you could just walk back through the portal and you'll be right back at the beginning of the level again i don't know why yeah. it took me so long to kind of twig like you don't have to retrace your entire steps because that portal takes you back to the beginning you just go back through it again um chamber 12 starts off with a malfunctioning door and then we realized that the reason it's malfunctioning is because wheatley's been putting bird eggs in the mechanism which was a really offbeat joke out of absolutely nowhere uh, do you remember that go and remind me of that please so there's a door you, you start off the uh the chamber and the door's going crazy it's got opening and closing like really quickly and the reason is you look up to a thing and wheatley says oh yeah i've been putting bird eggs in the mechanism that's oh, why the I do remember going. that. And then he gets attacked by birds out of nowhere. I do that, but I didn't get that. What's the joke there? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of okay. funny because it's a bit of slapstick, but I didn't understand why it suddenly Was that all? Yeah, so okay. far into slapstick. There's just a bird in there that you never see, really. Yeah, you've just, it's like Bristol Man running around and going, Birds! There's a bird! He's coming back for his eggs or whatever. <laughs> Maybe like, that was okay. simply it. The smart so, oh, they sound funny when he says bird. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, Bristolians. Exactly. Um... And then the, the next chamber, number 13, is where you get 
they bring the turret guns back in and this one it almost becomes almost like a like a stealth section where you've got to like put your portals either above or behind the turret so you can just sneak up behind pick them up and drop them yeah like every time i went into i don't know if that was the way they wanted it but every time um i went into a level that had those guns in it it was just how do i get rid of them so they have to be yeah, your first priority don't they yeah but there is did you find that did you find that a lot where you 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 felt like maybe you'd done the done it wrong or you'd done the, sol- the solution that wasn't what they expected you to do so i did when i was out with the chambers um my assumption at that point being that that was just the game design being smart and them them doing a good job of making you feel like you had sort of got one over the game or yeah. you'd figured out a way to sort of eke your way through that's i guess like whenever i speak about phenomenal game design and stuff in that regard that's exactly what i'm meaning is that i think like kind of going back to what you're saying the way they not only do they do a good job of of like obviously designing the puzzle chambers in well there's three things i guess they do a good job of making you feel like you're out with the puzzle chambers which obviously you are and making you sort of feel like you're behind the scenes yeah they then do a good job of putting you into puzzle chambers essentially but them not looking like puzzle chambers if that again makes sense what i'm trying to say yeah and then on top of that the solutions to these sort of fake puzzle chambers that are actually puzzle chambers are created in such a way that it feels like you've got around the system or you've figured out a way to think your way around around what the game was trying to do if that makes sense when actually you're just solving the puzzle but it doesn't feel like it does that does that make sense yeah that's yeah that's a really good point that it's almost like it's tricking you into thinking you've got agency over what's going on but really you're being funneled down yes. the pathway yeah exactly yeah because if you think back about it like when you when you're looking around some of these areas behind the test chambers and there's nowhere you can fire a puzzle one of those one of your portal guns yeah. uh portals and then there's like a tiny one miles away which like yeah. obviously that's the solution to the puzzle because there's no other option yeah but it does feel like you've sort of tricked the game and just got sort of behind the scenes in a way that you weren't meant to. Yeah, um, I'm going to do a really bad job of explaining it, but this, the next chamber is is basically one of those for me. So there was, you've got a laser beam that's going into this to a receptor that's making the platform you need to stand on to get up to the door raised. So you have to stop the laser yeah. um, so that the platform will lower and you can get out. Now, the only thing in the level is a is a cube so you can use that to block the laser, but then you need the cube to put down on the door button. Otherwise, the door's not open. You can get up to the door, but it's closed. And for this one, there's like a secret room sort of behind one of the walls. And I went in there and just found like a water bottle on the floor and picked it up and used the water bottle to block the laser. Did you do that? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, good. No, that is an excellent. I used no water bottles. I wonder how you did it. It's going to be chamber, what looks like chamber 14. See if you can find it. Oh, it's chapter six. I it's chapter chamber six. seventeen. That's what it is. Chamber seventeen. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's so different to what I did. I definitely did do it wrong. Are you watching the video by P Two Wiki? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's clearly doing it the right way. So what he's done is, oh, that's genius. That's so much better than what I did. So, yeah, so it starts off, like I said, you've got a, a, a light bridge, but it 
the light bridge is, is at the source. So you cannot make that light bridge go out of the way. So it's always going to be under the laser and it's got a cube in front of it that blocks the laser. Um, so what he does is he like basically makes a portal on the total opposite side of the room so that the cube falls on top of the button. Yeah, that's what I did. I'm looking at it now. I did what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, but there's a secret room in this chamber, and there's a. Oh, I went in there? and grabbed this fucking water bowl, this tiny water bowl, and put it right in front of the Unbelievable. laser. Unbelievable. So I could make it. I wish I'd recorded it so I could show you. So instead of having that bridge on the opposite side of the room that he's done, I actually just used the same bridge, but did one just above it, so that when I dropped the water, when I dropped the bridge away, the water bottle would just fall. And then I managed to... I, I had the thing in my hand and just put it down. It's crazy. That's so different to how I did That's mind-blowing. Yeah, well, I actually want to see how you did it now. Yeah. I'll, I'll go back and do that chamber and send you a video of it. Yeah, please. I'll put it on the... I'll put it on the... I'll put that on the, the, the web post as well so that people actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so this... The end of this... Uh, chapter is where what you were talking about earlier where she talks about the surprise that she's gonna she's got for you it's two people a man and a woman you haven't seen for a long time and she says she's at the end of the chapter here she says she's not forgotten about it because i remember she says it's after this next chamber and then there's like loads more after that so she says i haven't forgotten about the surprise i'm getting choked up just thinking about it chapter four begins and we find of course that she's made it all up and she get you get this dingy back room where like a handful of streamers fall from a tube oh, sorry this confetti comes out of a tube with a really shit like party uh, blower um and then she, <laughs> she says uh she gives us this passive aggressive reassurance that our parents abandoned us at birth so they probably wouldn't want to see us anyway so it's probably a good thing that there's not actually her parents there yeah um and Although then, the fact that they weren't going to be there is the most obvious thing ever, considering there's no like other than the, the player character, there's no animated people in the in any of the games. And you've been in cryostasis for absolutely ages, so they would definitely yeah. have died by this point. <laughs> um, and that's like we said earlier on, where she says she's going to call your parents, and it says the parents you've tried to call do not love you. Wheatley then appears and says, uh, as we're going to the following chamber says hang on for five more and he's going to get us out of here this next one is the one that i was talking about earlier where you said you really like the ones where you've got to kind of like jump up in the air and mm -hmm. go back into the floor so i kept putting it on the wall so instead of having a portal on the wall on the floor sorry i had one on the wall and i kept like trying to go up in the air and then i just come out of a side wall and just stand still <laughs> thinking like i don't know how to do it and then i realized you've got to put the other one on the floor so you then they're actually back up in the doing air. that as well sort of gives you time to think if you need it yeah yeah you can sort of suspend yourself mid mid puzzle it's there's it's one where it's got like um there's like a platform and it's got these like stairs that go downward they sort of slope downwards and there's like a platform you've got to get onto and i was like putting these these two blocks that i needed the two cubes redirection cubes i was like trying to stack them at weird angles to try and make stairs for myself <laughs> and all this shit i was doing my nutting and then I realised you just got to put the other portal on the floor, not on the you're wall. You're out of control. Yeah, that's one of the things that I find the most annoying about the game. Is like when you, you know, when you've put a portal on the floor where you need to go to, and you kind of come yeah. out of the portal, but you then just go straight back in it again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I the one thing I kept finding annoying. This is just me being a dumbass. Is that for some reason my brain couldn't just 
register which you know like sometimes there's portals like you need to keep in a certain place and how you move about is yeah. by uh, editing and activating the other portal and then you can use that to move around i kept like resetting my progress by moving the wrong portal I oh did yeah that so many times yeah um yeah i actually made a pretty conscious decision most of the time it must just be a thing that i've always done where always the right trigger was the one i fuck about with the left trigger okay. was always the setup one and then i to try and stop myself from doing that um and i'm going to jump ahead briefly as well there's a part where in the escape you are no it's not in the escape it's in the the chapter the fall fuck it i don't care what chapter it is there's a bit <laughs> later on where you know when you're trying to get away from wheatley and you're in one of those gravity things and then he tries to smash the smash you into the wall and you've got to like drop down and go the other way to get yeah. out Mm-hmm. apparently when that was being play tested people would forget which portal to use and kept just falling to their death and not knowing why so they actually have made that so that no matter which portal you fire it will still work and it will just do the right. right one so that you you cannot fail that section if you if you if you know to shoot the portal below yourself to drop into yeah. it it will always do whichever one you need it won't let you do the wrong portal because they found people just getting pissed off oh right okay which is yeah pretty mad yeah, that they smart. did that yeah sounds like it was play tested so much i guess all games yeah. are like that but we're just getting a window into this yeah exactly exactly okay after that one that i got completely wrong and a, and another there's a there's a like a laser puzzle where you've got to like angle them in sort of a triangle do you remember that one it's just a, quite a small room and there's three lasers going around in these redirection cubes yes yes i know exactly and you've got to like one. angle yeah. one through a portal so that it goes yeah. like yeah it's like a tr- you make a, like a triangle of lasers with it um after that then glados tells us uh that we're definitely going to get the real surprise after the next chamber with real confetti um but partway through the chamber the lights go out and that's when wheatley appears doing his american accent so that he thinks glados can't hear him and uh that's when we we get to escape with him as you're running away glados then says that you are ironically almost at the last test and she shows us a door that's appears to lead outside because there's loads of like foliage and leaves and stuff out there uh did you try going through that door i don't think so yes yeah, basically the door shuts and then you get closed in and neurotoxin kills you immediately oh because it's got like a she puts a heart on the wall i think so she's like you could see look you could just leave out this door right now and then she projects like this little pixelated heart on the wall and shows you a <laughs> door with leaves and it's gone but if you go near it it just shuts and then you just die <laughs> So then you obviously, you have to carry on running away with, Reetly, with Wheatley. Um, and this is another one of those bits where you, you've got like these weird little portal usage sections outside of the chambers and it feels like you're breaking the game. Um, and then you arrive at a little rickety little lift that goes upwards as the whole room gets crushed. And then you're on to chapter five, where you, this is the bit where you walk through a darkened tunnel where Wheatley's lighting the way with his little face light. Um, oh yes he tells you this really weird this is obviously Stephen Merchant's bit where I started to think he must have written some of this either he wrote some of this himself or he's ad-libbing because this is the bit where he's going on about this old caretaker who went mad and chopped up all the old robots and you can still hear their screams even though (laughs) they're indistinguishable replicas and they no one knows why they're screaming I think GLaDOS later on says something about that that she's got the the room with all the screaming robots that she made or something so they, they kind of show you how it happened um and this is again where you get to see loads of like behind the scenes things where you're 
portaling across these massive gaps, going across production lines down these huge chasms with loads of tubes and turrets being assembled. I think there's one bit where you basically just jump right down this big hole, don't you? Just bit by bit, and all these bits jutting out of the wall. That's right, yeah. This is where Wheatley takes us to the turret control centre, and you've got to try and remove the temp the turret template oh that's right yeah um but once you do it once you take the turret template out he just does it from memory anyway so you then have to put one of these stupid broken ones in there yeah to break the all the turrets. ones yeah um then you go down to the neurotoxin generator and this is the bit where it did actually get me this bit this is the bit where he like he says he's he's gonna uh he's gonna hack the machine the, the neurotoxin thing to stop doing it and he says he's gonna he's gonna hack the password and he's just talking absolute shit to himself for ages <laughs> if you, you could sit and listen to him and i swear he'd go on for like 10 minutes yeah he just goes then you have to actually you have to find um a laser and use the use portals to make the lasers cut through the tubes that are connected to the big oh yeah yeah, yeah. main silo that's right but it took me eight because i was just sitting there watching him like are you actually gonna fucking do it like What's he on about? And then I realised you just have to ignore him and walk off. And that <laughs> must be what you were talking about, where you've you've triggered the line of dialogue, where he's like, well, you're going off, are you? All right, well, I'll just stay here doing the... Sorry, I should do it properly. You're going off, are you? Well, I'll just stay here and do this password where you go over there. <laughs> and then, then obviously, yeah. It, it, it really, that's somehow, when you do that and you cut through the thing, it explodes, falls down the shaft, and then somehow a tube sucks you into it. I didn't really understand why that happened. <laughs> No, um, but that tube takes you straight. Well, it's going to take you straight to Glados, and that's where you land on this faraway platform where it's just enclosed, and it's got a door on it that says Glados Control and Cake Dispensary. But it's obviously a trap. The, the door just falls over, and you're inside yeah. this like so. If it's Glados's lair, she tries to unleash the turrets on you, which don't work. They all blow up. She then tries to put the neurotoxin on you, but that obviously doesn't work either. The only thing that comes out of the neurotoxin shoot is Wheatley, which she, who's, then she says she hates us so much. Um, and then they introduce this thing about her core being corrupted. And we have to substitute Wheatley for it. And we have to do this stalemate button thing. The override the stalemate. Oh, yeah, that's right. And she tries to like block you from getting to the button by like putting walls oh, yeah. in your way and all that yeah. stuff. Um, obviously we get we get to do the transfer we put Wheatley in control of the whole facility and he somehow learns to speak Spanish um, and then of course he almost I don't know immediate... why that just reminded me of Toy Story remember when Buzz Lightyear started speaking yes! Spanish yes I knew that I'd heard that kind of joke before um, and then yeah obviously Wheatley then immediately becomes drunk with power and turn, does a heel turn straight away yeah. Stops us escaping, turns GLaDOS into a potato battery. Uh, she starts insulting him. I think she calls him a moron. And then he punches us both down into a pit. And then we start chapter six. Yes. Which is where we we begin. Uh, we wake up from the pitfall to see GLaDOS being eaten by a pigeon. No, she gets carried away, sorry, by a pigeon. Um, we, oh, we... does she? Okay, so I didn't pick that up either. She just sort of appeared in a nest. I also didn't notice oh. that for some reason. Or if I did notice it, I then forgot it immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She definitely comes back later, and she's in the nest, still being eaten by the world's slowest yeah. eater ever. <laughs> they think they said something about they what they are actually going to do is um, they were going to have it so that when she's stuck to your gun. They wanted a reason as to why she's now being your mate. 
and they were going to have it that like this the bird would keep coming back and like peck away at the potato and take away some of her like cognitive ability to be a bitch <laughs> and she'd just get dumber and dumber by the end but they've scrapped it for some reason but apparently quite a lot of them were disappointed that they didn't have this bird keep coming back and carry on eating her where she's stuck on your gun which reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Homer's trying to eat the nachos and he's got all those little puppies and they keep jumping up and grabbing it every time he's trying to put it in his mouth. <laughs> I think I've seen that. Um, yeah, so she gets taken off by this pigeon. Uh, we, we portal our way through the dank and dingy depths of the facility until we get to this gated off area, loads of keep out signs, do not enter, um, which obviously means nothing to us because we've got a, a portal gun and we're trying to escape. Um, we get to a, a lever after a long walkway. We we pull the lever and it reveals this giant vault door which they they said uh, the developers said was it was a happy accident they knew they wanted the transition between the old and the new aperture facilities to be a big set piece apparently the design of the door turned out to be about five times bigger than everyone expected and they were going to put on the box that it features the biggest door in games ever <laughs> uh, and then it's really funny because you open the big vault and there's like a tiny little door behind it it's just a normal oh, yeah, yeah, fire yeah. exit door you just go through. Um, we then the, one of the this is a, a bit where you then obviously see the uh, the tall the big tall tower and the big broken aperture science sign, and we see obviously the older version of the facility where you can get through a, sort of like this cracked door. You go through a, where it's a jar. You can get through the door. You pull a lever. You enter the building and you finally hear the voice of Cave Johnson, who owns the place. Um, and apparently they made the decision to put like all this like costly furniture, carpeting, marble in the entranceway to show that at one point Aperture Science had loads of money. And yeah, then, is this the frivolous nature that you were referring to earlier on? Yeah, and then uh, later on, the decades, like the 70s and the 80s bits later, where it's more like plastic and linoleum floors and it's all white. So they wanted to show that it apparently fell on hard times as he got more and more ill or whatever it was yeah. that he did towards the end. Um, he introduces his assistant Caroline who says hands off fellas she's married to science <laughs> um, and apparently they initially wanted this like browbeaten scientist guy called Greg to be the guy that that Cave Johnson plays off of um, but they realised that he only had it would only have like two or three lines so they didn't bother to hire an actor they just used the woman who does GLaDOS non-computerised to do Caroline's voice and then they decided to make an origin story for GLaDOS off the back of that, which is quite right, okay. cool. Yeah, that's quite a cool way to hear the sort of train of thought as it comes together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as I said earlier, I, I'm really a big fan of Cave Johnson. What's the guy's name who does his voice? Oh, I don't know. It's the guy who does like J. J. Jameson, isn't it, in the Spider-Man movie, the original Spider-Man movies. J.K. Simmons. There he goes. Oh, I recognise him. Thoughts on Cave Johnson? You like him? Yes, yes, I grew to like him. Um, at the start, I felt me felt he was a little bit on the nose and a bit over the top. But over the as the game sort of went on, you sort of I started looking forward to hearing what he was going to say and seeing how like seeing that they were obviously going for a story arc with him rather than just having him as this sorry ethereal voice that was unlinked to anything. Yeah, um, and I like the way they use him to link up Glados and things like that, which interesting to talk about when you were saying that glados the sort of glados being the assistant was sort of an afterthought yeah ended up feeling like a real pivotal part of the 
of the sort of reveal and the narrative and the story. Yeah, because otherwise it's just he's just a guy, isn't he? He's just like a, a a diversion for a bit, like a digression off the main path. Yeah, with no real link to it, um, other than just he's kind of funny and he says weird stuff about like mantis men and whatever it was. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it seems strange that they kind of stumbled across the reason, the main reason, as you say, for him being there. The vo- the voice actor in this game is just fantastic. It really is. I mean, that's what you get when you get a couple of Hollywood actors involved. Yeah. Both of those the main parts that they introduced in this game really play to the strengths of the two actors that they got. So there's a lot of the obnoxiousness of J.J. Jameson um, from Spider-Man in his performance and Stephen Merchant's basically just being himself. Yeah. So they really, you know, it was just just in their wheelhouse, which made it so much easier for them to both just knock it out of the park. 100% agree. So this is in the J... J. Jonah Jameson. The... Cave Johnson parts of this game are obviously when we then get involved with all these gels. So we start off with the the repulsion gel, the blue gel, which is the bouncy stuff, and hopefully not blue oh, yes. paint. Where they they tried it with the control group with blue paint <laughs> and they broke all their bones. Um, they these actually, are actually my favourite puzzles when they start messing about with the paint. Yeah, I think. hands down the best part of the game. Everything after this. When you go back to the Wheatley stuff, I didn't really remember, which is mm-hmm. funny because it's the end of the game and you'd think you'd remember, you know, recency bias or whatever. But I remember the, the gel bits the most because they were so different from everything else that comes before and after it. Have you got a favourite gel? I think my one's the speed gel. Which is... Is it the blue gel where it makes a funny, like, tune every time you bounce on it? Kind of, yeah. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, well, it does as, does it as well with the speed one. It's like a little. There's like a little jingle that as your character speeds up, yeah, the jingle right. speeds up as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it does have to be the orange one. Although the orange one has a lot of involvement in probably the hardest puzzle of the whole lot for me, which I think. We're oh, what's get that? To. We'll get to, get to that in a bit. That? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. But I, I probably put a massive. Yeah, I have. I put a massive thing because I just could not get my head around it. Yeah, so everybody knows Portal One was a sort of a student game and apparently a lot of elements so it started off as a student game obviously then they brought it onto the orange box and just sort of said here you go have a go on this portal 2 actually came from a student game as well or this element did that they created within valve called tag the power of paint and that had like a paint gun in it oh right okay so they decided they were going to involve a paint gun in this but they said basically it was too difficult to constrain the abilities you would get from being able to shoot the paint wherever you want within the sort of enclosed levels that you get in the portal game. Okay. And if you were able to, if you were able to create like the, the propulsion gel, the orange stuff, anywhere you wanted, you'd just be speeding about the whole place and it would just throw the pacing off completely and stop you being able to be deliberately taking your time around things. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to have to train you all over again, how to use a completely new gun and wanted to keep it kind of, Here's the portal gun. This you know how to use this. Here's how we're going to try and sort of subvert how it's used. But yeah, I, I it starts off with the blue one, and I quite enjoy that as well. Where you kind of sometimes you've, you're bouncing between the two walls because you kind of go off the sides, don't you? As you go along a, a shaft, but just mm-hmm. from wall to wall, almost like a Prince of Persia game or something like that. Where you're almost wall running. Um, I like the one where you've got to dump the blue gel over that the cube that's in that glass cage so that it bounces around and smashes its way out. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like being a dog owner because you then have to chase after it to catch it and then wash it <laughs> and then clean it. 
there's a bit there's a bit after that I enjoyed from Cave where he's where he's firing where he's firing that guy uh, where you're just like going to the next chamber and he's just says they the the lab guys tell me to stop doing all these messages but I'm just going to keep doing them anyway more mm-hmm. messages and then he fires that guy and says why don't you marry safe science if you love it so much we then get to the end uh, of his test but we can't get out the exit door so we have to go effectively deeper into the heart of the facility um, we have to turn on some gel pumps to to progress on towards the control room and we get to then the bit sort of 1970s version of the older facility where we get this it's it's not very subtle where they they kind of show you the progression of cave johnson with like paintings of him looking older and older don't they yeah um i love the middle bit here where he's you can hear a message from him where he's clearly more like embittered and he started seemingly just picking up hobos from park benches and offering them 60 dollars to do the tests and he's got those pictures on the wall in the in the reception area and there's like a guy jumping up in the air with money in his hand in front of a yacht which has got a 60 dollar price tag on it do you remember that no like there's all these dudes just looking really happy like with paintings of them holding 60 dollars up no i missed that i must have pile drives through that yeah yeah because you probably don't need because it's not a puzzle area you're just kind of walking through it so i think i must have taken the time to have a quick look um, you get to the second floor of the control room and then that's when you get reunited with GLaDOS the potato. Um, they think they call her Potatoes in the, the developer sphere. Great name. Yeah, Potato, potato and then that. OS at the end, like the GLaDOS style. Uh, she's still being eaten by the bird. Um, and then we're on to chapter seven. And this is where we get the propulsion gel, um, which we can obviously use to fly off of ramps speeding us uh speeding us up um you're obviously using portals to squirt gel now that kind of drips down you can squirt it over places to create more for yourself i like the bit where there was a there's a puzzle later um where you've got a button that's really high up in the air that you've got to press and you've got to like make a, a ramp for yourself and then run into a portal and then have the opposite end of the portal fire you directly up in the air from your speed that's run. right yeah actually took me a little bit to figure that out yeah because you've already used the ramp anyway but you've got to almost go the opposite way on the ramp back towards the wall which is yeah yeah stumped me for it as well and then after that obviously they then start to join the two gels together so you're making speed tracks within a jump pad at the end effectively Mm -hmm. and then then we get to the one that really really did me in and it's like it's a really open level um, it's chamber number five. I don't know if you want to check out a video of that while I'm talking. Yeah. So it's cha- it's chamber five, chapter seven. So you've got two of the there's two tubes pumping out each type of the gel, and then there's all these mm-hmm. cages and slanted walls everywhere. And there's a far off cube in this sort of cage that you've got to somehow bounce to. And I think it's because the slanted walls, one of them looks like it's going to bounce you the, the wrong way, like backwards. So I kept ignoring it as a, as a as a thing to use because I because it's kind of slanted away from where you want to jump to so I kept mm-hmm. thinking if I bounced on it I'm going to go backwards but you don't you just go off of it anyway no, so I completely true. ignored it. even though there's fucking arrows on the floor pointing to where you need to go yeah. you have to run into the wall to then shoot yourself out of a portal and then bounce off a slanted wall that you've put blue gel on to fly off to the cage but honestly that one took me so long and I that's the only one I remember really vividly from the original playthrough was I remembered how annoying 
that felt to try and figure out back in the day. And it, it did the same thing to me again. I learned nothing. <laughs> Time healed no wounds. Were there any points that you kind of felt like totally, did you look at any guides? Did you get stuck? Did you get frustrated at any point? Or did you just kind of breeze through it? I never looked at any guides. Um, there was two points that I remember that stumped me a little bit. One is when, is actually before you open up the big door you were talking about before. That area stumped me for a little bit because I, I knew from memory I had to get up high somewhere, but I just couldn't figure out or remember how I was supposed to do it. Um, and then the next bit, it's around about the bit that we've just spoke about. Um, you've got to fire yourself up onto a platform and there's like angled walls that you've got to... I, I, this is such a hard game to discuss. It is really um, hard to describe, isn't it? Because it's also so many chambers that you go through. Yeah, it was one of these ones as well. The one that The one that stumped me was initially I knew what to do, but it didn't work for me the first time I did it. So I assumed that what oh, okay. i was doing was wrong yeah it's towards the top of the area like you know like in the area with the gels and stuff you're eventually you're climbing up and up and up and up and eventually you get to it brings it's actually it closes the circle a little bit it brings you back to the place you started at the very beginning but right at the top i love that because that's when you have to yeah. dive right off the top of it don't you yeah um and also you you start getting to the top of where these pipes are going there's a there's a level where you've got to I think the level starts and they start using the grating so that you can't put the, the paint down. I think uh, I know the what you're talking about. And there's these like two pillars that are supporting the grating that you want to get up on top of. And you've got to cover it in white paint and then sort of jump off and then fire yourself. It's like there's vertical pillars and then there's like one at a 45 degree angle that you've it's, got to fire yourself out of to get to the top of the pillar. It's a really vague one to start off with, isn't it? It's basically just yeah. a wall in front of you, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one to discuss in a visual medium, but yeah, there was there was two places I really got stuck. Right at the beginning was the one probably that that, that jumps out at me most vividly, um, and that's just it's really the first time you leave the test chambers, and I'm trying to figure out where to go. It's I think it's in my head now. I can't actually remember if it's before or after that big door, but it's it's around about the big door that we we're talking about. Yeah. Um, trying to get to that area um yeah i find it but then once you once you get your head sort of in and you can see what you're meant to be doing things become a little bit more easy um i think the short length of the game helps with that doesn't it it kind of keeps you you can you can kind of fly through it in a couple of sittings so you're always in that mind space to when i was um i think i completed this game in two sittings actually but when i was when i was speaking to you before that whole section of the game in the preceding like decade i had completely forgotten about so like i thought i was piling through the game and i was like oh i'm near the end and then it opened up into this big area where you're behind the scenes and i was like oh i'm nowhere near the end whatsoever <laughs> um but that, i mean that was a nice feeling because i enjoyed the game overall but it, it was something i'd totally forgotten about which was yeah. nice to come back to yeah Sorry, um, I derailed you that with me. No, you've you've gone describing puzzles. You've gone you've gone about. through um you've gone through some of my notes for that, that were just about to come up anyway. The lift shaft bit and that whole bit where you've got a yeah you've got to stick all that portal. They call it portal paint apparently. You've got to stick all that white gel all the way up that wall so then you can then make another portal so that it comes. Yeah, so you've got the grate, haven't you, at the top? So you can't go up there. No, because you you can you can make a hole on the roof, but 
there's a grate right underneath where you put the hole so only the gel can pass through there not you yeah mm-hmm. and then you have to make the the pillar white and then you've got to make it so that the stuff goes over the the white stuff goes over the floor so then you can turn the white stuff into the orange stuff so you can put yeah. the blue yeah um so some of the story stuff here we we get to a, to another bit of Cave Johnson where it's now in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where he got older and he got started to get. He says he's deathly ill and he and he wants to know if portal if hopping through portals is somehow going to cure him. Then he later leaves this. They I mean they totally foreshadow the fact that that Glados is Caroline. They they do it from almost the very moment she starts yeah. saying stuff. It's not really much of a reveal, but you get this message from him where he says. He states his desire to be immortalized on a CD, um, but he, he, he decrees that if he dies before the engineers figure AI out, he wants Caroline to run the enrichment center. And then after he signs off that message, then GLaDOS gives the game away and says goodbye to him. And we realize then mm-hmm. that she obviously took over the facility and managed to immortalize herself as AI yeah. as well. We uh, get to a, find a poster later in the level in the pump station that warns the warns us to use paradoxes in the event of rogue AI. So Glados exclaims, "We need to use one on Wheatley, and hopefully she won't listen to what she's saying, so she doesn't get mm-hmm. done by it herself." Oh yeah. So we we hit a hatch override button, opens another giant hatch in the ceiling, lowers us down, uh, lowers down a lift for us, which we then ride upwards through the hatch back into Wheatley's domain, back into the into the the, the modern facility, uh, and that's when Chapter Eight starts, where Wheatley is having a go at all those boxes that that he's decided to put legs and turrets on to try oh, and get yeah. them to walk he's around. Messing about with them, yeah, yeah. Um, so Glados says we need to get down there so she can she can paradox him in the face. Uh, but of course the paradox fails because Wheatley's an idiot, so he doesn't understand it. There's some explosion warning that the facility is going to self destruct, but he just turns the warning off. Um, tells us to ignore it and he's short on test subjects so we are forced to help him carry on testing and he says that the body he's in makes him compelled to test and he shows us what he's made which is just you press a button and a box falls on a pad and opens a door and he basically jizzes in his pants <laughs> yeah i um, find that bit quite funny yes yeah, that was good and then he makes he makes us do it again because he's totally evil now he says right let's do it again kind of getting a bit rapey at this point then he finds a newer a newer test and this is what you were saying earlier where it actually turns out that it's glados's test this is where you've got these uh the gravity beams that you can kind of mm-hmm. ride around on shoot around the rooms um glados says she can't help us solve the puzzles which doesn't really make any sense at first and sounds really unhelpful and then wheatley gets bored a few chambers later and starts trying to tell us how to do it and then gets some electric shock which GLaDOS then says is why she wasn't going to tell us. Why she, she can't, yeah. Even though she's a potato now, and I don't know how that would shock her anymore. How, but... she, how she's still linked into the system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she then starts to become like really humanized. Like she sticks up for us being an orphan. When he's when Wheatley's taking the piss out of us, he calls us fat as well. And then she has a go at us saying that, has a go at him saying we're not actually fat. Um and this is this is the bit, like I said earlier, where I just didn't find any of this really that difficult with all these gravity lifts and yeah. light bridges and stuff. I mean, some of it's cool. There's one where you have like you have to fire yourself right into the distance and then land on a gravity lift that you kind of get stuck in. And it takes you to the exit. That's right. I like the ones where it starts messing with the gravity lift and paint. Then you've got to like use yeah. the gravity lift to move paint around. And there's and then there's the ones where you've got to like. Um, 
reverse the polarity almost of the of the oh, yeah. when you turn yeah. it orange and it goes like the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. The one that sticks out for me most of all in this weekly bit towards the end is the one where you've got that you've got this big platform that you stand on and it's kind of passing back and forwards through a like a laser field that kills you straight away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got like a la- you've got two laser receptors above and below you and you've got to try and like swap the laser beam around to move the platform. Is it when you move the platform? No, when you stop the platform, the laser be- thing goes out. When you move the platform, the laser thing comes back on again. So yeah. you've got to kind of stop it, move through the laser, and then start moving yeah. it again. And start again. Yeah, that was one. Was... I, I got myself to the end of that puzzle, i.e. moving yourself through the laser and then realized I hadn't done something right. So You need, a, you need a block. Exactly what yeah. I did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Loads of my notes here. I've, I've just written at the end, look this up to be able to explain it better. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to explain like the, the test chambers. But there's one here, like you were saying, where you've, there's bits where you've got to like catch paint in a gravity lift, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And then it like pulls the paint along in the air and you turn the, you turn the gravity off so it just drops to the floor. And yeah, and you can also everywhere. use that to like knock out. That's that same level. You sort of have to use it to knock the turret guns off yeah. the perch. Yeah, you drop and the then, blue stuff on them. Yeah, and then move it about to get it in position and stuff like that. It's, yeah. a, it's a good, it's, it's obvious what you've got to do, I think, but it's yes. still fun to execute. Yeah, I think you, it's one of those things where you're not really getting an aha moment. You're just kind of looking at it and be like, this is actually really cool that you've thought of this. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So after that one that you were just talking about, um, Wheatley says there's only two chambers left until he, and he's got a surprise for us after that. Um, GLaDOS tells us she can break us out of the center in the next chamber. Um, and this is the one where you get to the chamber where in the background there's like a, a cube bouncing on a faith plate and there's a faith plate in front of you and it looks like you're just going to jump straight over and grab the cube but as you stand on the faith plate it pings you off to the side and it like punts you out of the chamber and then yeah. he says surprise it's happening now um, and that is when he says he doesn't need us anymore because he's found two robots designed specifically for testing which is foreshadowing yeah <laughs> basically the co-op yeah and then then we start the final chapter of the game called uh the part where he kills you and this is first of all you land on this little tiny platform um where he's got all these like spiked plates around you he's going to basically iron maiden you effectively um and this is one of the ones that you were kind of talking about earlier where like something really small off in the distance is is the is the solution there's like a little bit of paint dripping like miles off in the distance yeah and then you can just drop that in front of you to get out of it. And obviously he crushes, he crushes nothing. So we escape being squashed and we run away, beginning this sort of escape sequence where we're running away through walkways to get out of there. Um, Which I a- kind of ruined for myself because I got lost at oh, one yeah? point running through a section. Yeah, and obviously nothing happens. They don't kill you or anything. So you're just sort of, the, the music's all going. And then yeah. like, I'm just a bit lost wandering about trying to figure out where I was meant to be going. Yeah, it's when that yeah, one of those moments where they try and make it sound seem tense like there's a chase yeah. on in a video game, but they really it, it's just gonna wait yeah. until you figured it out. Um, there, there's a lot of times actually that I died in these parts, and I did start to get quite annoyed that I was having to hear the, the dialogue of Stephen Merchant over and over <laughs> again. There's a bit where did you know there's a bit where he drops all the those turrets in the room, like you just walk through a room and they, all these turrets just drop down. I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be the shit ones because they're not actually going to kill you. Yeah. But I just ran through anyway. So I was just thinking like, ah, I avoided it. But then I remembered that they probably wouldn't going to shoot me anyway. Um, and that's the bit where we, I talked about earlier where you 
you're going in a gravity lift and he gets that he calls it a mashy spike plate and you drop down to a lower one where you you can't fail it because everyone kept failing it in play testing there's an interesting bit where randomly they introduce bombs and you've got to shoot bombs into a, a tube of that portal paint oh yeah um, to blow it up and get the white paint oh, out of nowhere at the time you think well oh, okay there's bombs going through here now for some reason yeah obviously um, setting you up for the final encounter yeah exactly they wanted to to show you the method of using bombs to break things over in like a, they called it a stress-free environment rather than in the fight with wheatley mm. so you don't know what you're doing immediately that makes sense um so he wheatley admits at this point that his death traps haven't worked and uh, we're getting a bit closer to it we were getting a bit too close to his lair so he asks us to just allow this conveyor belt to take us into a masher and you you use some of the propulsion gel to just run away from the the jaws of death we then find the storage room full of these corrupted cores and glados says right if you stun wheatley she'll send us these cores we can then transfer them to him and it will corrupt him and she, we can then transfer her back into our own body um and we get to the final battle with wheatley where he says he studied the video of us killing glados so he's not going to make any mistakes uh, there's no portal surfaces the neurotoxin starts immediately and he's got loads of bomb-proof shields and then he just starts firing bombs at you they apparently also had originally uh he was going to have turrets attached to him that he was going to be able to point at you and shoot you oh my goodness and a crusher panel that was going to smash down and try and crush you which they said both times it was so punishing because you're just trying to look at wheatley and figure out where to shoot your portals you just get mm. annihilated um because in reality it's not it's not that difficult of a, of a no, boss it's fight simple quite a simple section isn't it it's it's more fiddly i think and the, the time the time frame is is i i did run out of time at one point because i couldn't figure out how to get the last one of these cores so you weekly shooting these bombs at you you've got to drop your portals on the floor redirect mm. the the bombs at him in diff- you've got to do it from different heights and angles because he moves his shields around between each of his three classic boss hits um the final one, I think you've got to use the orange gel, haven't you? So you've got to, again, you've got to run mm-hmm. and then place a portal on the wall, and the other yeah. one's got to be on the floor so you can fly up in the air and That's grab right. the yeah, last yeah. one. That's the one I, for some reason, got really stuck on and ran out of time. <laughs> I must have not been able to to hit it. I must have put the portal in the wrong place and kept missing the thing in the air. <laughs> so after you've done the the hits, we do the we start the core transfer, and yet another stalemate then takes place where they start arguing with each other trying to uh, you know tell you not to press the button or press the button depending on who's talking to you he clean weekly cleans off all the white gel from around the area and gets annoyed that he didn't that didn't know that he could have just washed it off earlier on but it is there's a patch underneath his body that he doesn't clean off because he's blocking mm-hmm. it um you can use that to then go and press the stalemate button or at least you think you can but he's booby trapped it with loads of bombs that blow you straight out of the room and from your prone position on the ground, the roof gives way to reveal the surface of the moon. So you can shoot a portal on there, which, uh, which, and then one underneath Wheatley, which will suck you and Wheatley onto the surface of the moon <laughs> until GLaDOS then comes back to life in her own body, cuts Wheatley away and pulls you back to safety. So you, yeah, boss fight, you think was a bit easy. I can't really remember if I thought it was easier or harder or better or worse than the original yeah, in Portal 1. I don't, I don't remember Portal 1, to be honest. Um, I remember, it, in my mind, it's, it's it's not an awful boss fight, but 
it's probably for me the weakest part of the game because I feel that was the same in Portal One as well. That was the weakest part. Yeah, you're probably right, and it, it just sort of like going through the motions of messing Wheatley up with the bombs and then grabbing. You're right. The hardest bit was trying to figure out how to grab grab the sort of AI thing to attach to him, but in a way that also detracted from it for a bit because if you couldn't figure out how to get to it you got yeah. you basically just got to stand and look at it and you could take as long as you want and there was no sense of urgency and Wheatley would just stay there sort of in a suspended state and wait for you to attach the thing mm. um there was no risk there and i thought that that pulled me out of, out of it a little bit um other than other than the time that was running down i guess yeah um I guess maybe I just didn't even notice the time of running down. You obviously, you obviously weren't, yeah, you obviously weren't fiddling about with it like me because I remember the one where it's swinging back and forth, and you've got to jump up and catch it. I, I missed it loads of times as well. I was just running out of time because I was just like ham fisting my way through it. <laughs> um, I mean, it does the thing that we always say boss fights should do, where it brings back everything that you've learned. It's got all the different yeah. types of the gels. It's got. Um, well, that's basically it, actually. <laughs> but it's and it, it is reminiscent of the 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 Portal One one because that's the one where you've got to like grab the different parts of her and put them in the incinerator, and they're like mm-hmm. strewn across the level as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I agree. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit of a letdown, other than the fact that you put a portal on the moon, which is a really r- ridiculously like yeah it's irreverent like, way to beat the boss, yeah. but it really doesn't involve much other than press the button. No, but it's a cool set piece, right? It's yeah. really it's a fun over the top moment. Yeah, and the devs apparently got really they were really attached to the character of Wheatley, so they didn't actually want you to be able to kill him. Um, but they also didn't want him to kind of just feel, you know, learn his lesson and off he goes. So they kind of what they decided found a middle ground which was have him float around in space forever being really sorry for what he did. So if we ever get a Portal 3, it could be set in space. Jesus, yeah, and he gets picked up on a on a spaceship, yeah, (laughs) and then Cave Johnson's alive, and he's just a head in a jar. Yeah, he's crying from like the the (laughs) Ninja Turtles. Even better. Yeah. So after we've defeated him, Shell, then uh, she collapses um, after coming back from the surface of the moon without a helmet, which was didn't immediately kill her. Yeah, she's still got eyeballs. Don't worry about it. Yeah, (laughs) no total recall action going on here. Uh, so we you awake to the two co-op robots. I can't remember their names. I don't care. Uh, GLaDOS, for some reason, is actually happy to see us alive. She says she thought we were our greatest enemy, but actually we're our best friend. And the part of her memory that still Caroline taught her that. So then she instantly removes that memory. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> memory deleted. Um, she tells us she can't be bothered trying to kill us anymore. She just wants her old life back. So she transports us to the surface and just asks we never come back. Then you get this really weird bit with turrets are all waiting for you at the door, the exit yeah, door. Yeah, she's it's, sort it's like of a... playing with you in a way as well. She's sending you up. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to kill you. No, I'm not. I'm going to kill you. No, I'm not. Yeah. And it's all like, it's really weird, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's definitely a pre-rendered cutscene. It's not yeah. in-game anymore. No. So you can't look around. But then they all sing this really weird song. And... <laughs> At one point, there's there's a giant one in the background who's got a crown on him. He's got oh, leopard I saw print. That. that was so weird. <laughs> like King Leopard turret. Yeah. Utterly bizarre. And then, um, yeah, you get to the to the surface to find that the whole center was housed in a shack in a cornfield. It spits out a burnt companion cube, and uh, the door shuts behind you, and the game Did ends. Did you 
like me keep trying to see a nod to the fact that it's in the half-life world when you were escaping like i was expecting to see something that would tell me that that's what that is yeah like the what is it is it city 17 is that what it is one of the one of the guards just like yeah. waiting for you on the surface yeah something like i just thought they would do something but obviously not yeah i, I it did actually take me a while to realize that it wasn't in in engine scene i was just like i was trying to look at stuff but i was like what the hell why can't i move the controller anymore and then i realized it's all this weird movie but yeah, all inside a cornfield, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's no. supposed to be a centre for science that advertises for test subjects, I thought. Yeah, but then how long has it been gone? Do people even know yeah. it's there anymore? Has it been gone so long that it's just been forgotten about? True. I mean, she was obviously in stasis for so long, but there was obviously, there had to be a way out at some point. Yeah, I don't or know how way. much time has passed, really. Yeah. I mean, Half-Life could... I mean, in that world, Half-Life 3 could be out. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cave Johnson's hiding it right down in the basement. We just didn't get to that bit. Yeah. Yeah, obviously I've done a lot of talking. So do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, unfortunately, I kind of gave you my closing thoughts as an opening statement <laughs> back at the beginning. Um, it It's a game that is showing its age, but it's a game that's still worth your time. And it's a nice reminder that Valve used to make really high quality games it's just a shame they don't make games anymore really yeah um yeah like i i think it's 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 humor it's a game that that i always think it's it's brave and whether it lands or not i think it's worth like it's worth a worth a well done when games try to do humor because humor is such a hard thing to do in video games probably the hardest genre i would say to approach is like horror can be done like adventure action suspense but comedy is really tough to do in a game purely for the reasons that we spoke about earlier in that the the sort of the creator and designer has no has a certain amount of agency but without removing complete control from the player they they it's it's a tough thing to do especially when like comedy has a lot of timing to it um and you can also think, like you can compartmentalize comedy. So you can you can almost put com- comedy in a genre, can't you? Yeah. You can have romantic comedy or dark comedy or horror, whatever. But this is just comedy for people who want to play a video game, which yeah. is technically anyone who likes video games. Mm-hmm. So you've got such a broad spectrum of people you're aiming it at that it's be so easy for it to just miss because of its subjectivity. Yeah, and I think overall the phenomenal writing with phenomenal choices of voice actors and then great yeah. game design mixed in there it makes a complete package that again i'm I'm sounding like a broken record now showing its age but it's still a quality product worth your time do you think it says something about us that we probably came out having more fun playing a fucking dumb shooter like gears of war than we did this like <laughs> well-written brain taxing masterpiece yeah you're right probably um but yours are worse, still good. Yeah. Still good. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, definitely have, we have to avoid a 30 FPS game at least for a few months because I can't handle that again. So not Halo Combat Evolved for us next then. <laughs> is that 30 FPS as well? Yeah, the, the Halo, the I think thing? Halo 1, 2 and 3 is all 30 FPS. Christ, it's just unacceptable. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's all hindsight, but I'm just disgusted by it at this point. <laughs> 
<laughs> Such a 60 FPS snob. And I'm not even a PC gamer who has 120. Because life isn't fair, mate. Good point. Life isn't fair. Good point. As GLaDOS found out after she was murdered twice. Yeah. One and a half times. After that pigeon found out when he couldn't get to eat the potato. It's just not yeah. fair. That pigeon thing did not get out alive. She definitely killed it before it left the facility. Oh, which she'd have hunted that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. She would at least put all those spikes on all the walls that you know you get on like old office. She probably stuck it in a test chamber. <laughs> probably. Maybe is that the birds' eggs that Wheatley's putting in the system? I think we yeah we have to assume that there is only one bird in this facility and it is just a recurring character. Just being a menace. That yeah. might explain yeah. Wait, has he already? No, it hasn't eaten the thing by that point, has it? So maybe that bird no. then comes back later and eats GLaDOS the potato. And yeah. The, and the nest that we find her in is the nest he stole the eggs from. We've finished the podcast. Yep, perfectly. we have. We've tied it all together. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> I think it's probably worth noting, we are still waiting for some emails. So you can email us at, email us on at two, a winner is you pod at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at a winner is you pod. Um, I think that's the housekeeping done. Um, anything else you want to add? Anything you've been writing on Goomba Stomp? Uh, no, um, because now I've decided to do all these challenges on N64 games. <laughs> the articles take about five times as long because I have to, <laughs> I have to fight, sort out the emulation for the game, get good at the game, try and do a challenge with the game, record it, edit it, and then write the article. So you know, all for free. I'm basically a philanthropist. Yeah. Donating, donating your challenge time to the world. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Drink it in, as they say. What about now you? Be- Have you got anything, uh, any more movement well, on these videos you mentioned monster, them earlier? I've still got that monster trunk. It's monster trunk, monster truck game review, which I can't even remember the name of. It is so bland. <laughs> is it, have you played a lot of the game? Yeah, and I hate it. It's so bland. So, Good so God. bland. And on that jolly note... I hope you enjoyed episode 10 of the Resurrected Winners You podcast. I have been David, he has been Alex, we have been a Winners You, and I'm out. I used to want you to keep gaming, now I only want you gone. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've had that in my head for about five days. <laughs> Go make some new disaster, that's what I'm counting on. Yeah. You're someone.